sheet called Got Questions. Um, and, and if you have any questions regarding the last book in your Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to write those down. I got one in last week, and I thought that's a good question because it's a question I had too. And I'll deal with it not next week. Maybe next week, we'll see. Um, but uh, basically, how long will people live in the millennium? It's a great question. It's a question I have. And tonight, we'll get into more of the New Jerusalem and eternity, those kind of things. Um, but as I, start, as I stated from the very first night we started teaching on this, um, the more you get into it, the more questions you have, and that's okay, and we don't have all the answers, and that's okay too, all right? We're never going to get all the answers for all that, but uh, um, so I would invite uh, you to help me out. Any questions you have, I'm not saying I have all the answers. I got, I got a little bit of an answer and a little bit of direction for the millennium age aspect of that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, but uh, um, it's just going to be um, not Bible doctrine, but speculative. Because you've also heard me say throughout this, it could be this way, it might be that way, or perhaps it's this way. Honestly, we still don't know all there is to know. And that's good, but I will also tell you that the more you read this, the more you study it, the more it makes sense. As I've shared before, after doing this for a number of years, preaching from it, teach, you know, being in class on it, I am, I am now, I'm 60 years old, I'm just starting to understand it like I've never been able to before. And that's in part because I'm teaching it. And those of you that have taught know that the teacher always learns more than the student. So, that all being said, if you brought your Bibles, turn to Revelation 21 tonight. While you're turning there, I just have a couple opening questions we're going to talk about. And the first one is this, and it's something that I talk about a lot, but to you, what does living for eternity mean to you? What does living for eternity mean to you? Anyone? We'll edit this out. This will not be online, so don't worry about it. No right or wrong answers. <laughs> what does living for eternity mean to you? There's no death. There's no death. All right? That's a good thing. All right? That's a Can't wonder. Comprehend Can't comprehend it, but it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> you know? All right? Jim? Yes. Yes. How many of you right now are in pain in one level or another? From a 1 to 10 pain level, how many would say I'm in pain right now? Not that you're a pain. No, I didn't say that. How many are in, in pain? <laughs> yeah. There'd be no more pain in heaven. All right? And by the way, tonight is... Tara Lynn's birthday, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Tara Lynn. Say it right. Happy birthday to you, or Terry for sure, and many more. God bless you. All right, back to eternity, living for eternity. By the way, Terry, if you have too many birthdays, it will kill you. <laughs> 
just letting you know. <laughs> and you're not getting older, you are chronologically challenged. All right, go ahead. Uh, just to piggyback <laughs> on what I was saying a little bit earlier, you know, we often wonder why people are not healed on this side, but they're healing on this side, and they are healed. If we would like to see it this side, but when they get to heaven, they're completely healed. I dealt with that in the funeral last Friday, yeah. It, it'd be one, within a second after they breathe their last breath, boom. Yeah. They'd just been totally healed, so we don't understand all that either, true. But yes, and now we'd like to see the manifestation of healing on this side of heaven because we don't like pain. At least I don't. If you do, God bless you. You know, I just don't like pain. Um, anyway, so heaven, living for eternity. Anybody else? What does living for eternity mean to you? Next question. What would you say is the most beautiful place you have ever been? And I know we have some world travelers in the crowd that like to travel. So what, I mean, Pastor Jim, you're a world traveler. It goes all over the place, too. What's the most beautiful place you have ever been to? Hawaii. Hawaii. Been there? Very pretty. Been there twice, yes. How many been to Hawaii? Do, 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 do. Okay. All right. Sorry. What? Okay. Ha have a. Okay. I didn't hear you, but okay. So what? What makes it so pretty? Hawaii. I know the tropics and stuff. Okay. All right. Nice. Yeah, back, back when I was at Hanama Bay in Hawaii um, snorkeling, um, when we got back from that trip, I was into real fast aquatics for years. Had to have fish tanks, fish aquariums, because to me it was like that was the most beautiful thing. And just seeing the wild, I mean, swimming with the big sea turtles and the, the, the fish, and it was crazy. So anybody else, the most beautiful place you've ever been to? Puerto Rico, okay. Never been there, all right. Where at? Colorado, okay, very good. Been through there more than once. Bermuda. Bermuda, okay. When was that? Honeymoon. Okay, all right. That triangle thing? No, just. <laughs> all right, Bermuda, all right. Colorado, all right. Anyone else? Hope. Okay, coming from Ohio, you would say Arizona. So, hey, Bill, can anything good come from Ohio? I'm, I'm teamed up here. I don't know. What part of Ohio is this? Oh, okay. I'm from Dirtville. Hope and Carl, this is Bill. Bill, this is Hope and Carl. All right. Are you a Buckeye? The, the Ohio State. All right. All right. One of my, Elvin. Well, we can talk about our most beautiful place, but the Bible says that I is not seen or heard, nor has we entered the heart of man, but God has. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that tonight a little bit. All right. The most beautiful place for me, and Jill and I have done a lot of what we call our national park vacations, and uh, of all the national parks, I would say that Glacier 
in Northwest Montana it was my, is my favorite. It's been my all-time favorite. We were there in 1993. Um, just the beauty of it. Um, the going to the Sun Road, to the Sun, whatever it was, but just seeing the, the different, the big old the sheep and stuff and the animals and eating a picnic and right there a deer just like from me to probably you guys over in here, deer just walks by and so I'll never forget that. Um, love that area. I've been to Hawaii twice, but that was one of my favorite places. Um, another question, what is the, the I, have a, I have a reason for all this, so what is the most exotic gem or precious stone you have ever seen? Gem or precious stone? You like diamonds, all right. Are they your best friends? No. Diamonds, okay. Anyone else? Do you have a favorite? Something you've seen? You ever been to a rock quarry where they polish and they dig them up and they, and they end up polishing them and stuff and selling them and stuff? Um, but we're going we're to talk about some of that tonight. Now, this is... This is a question, and uh, we're not told a lot about it, but, but uh, what will life be like in heaven? What will life be like in heaven? It'll be what? It'll be wow every day. It'll be wow every day. And even backwards, wow. <laughs> what will life be like in heaven? Beautiful. Perfect. I don't think we can even comprehend. Not really, no. We're, give, we're given a snippet of that in Revelation 21, 22. But yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand it totally, even looking at the New Jerusalem and the vastness of this city that God is making, that is existing already in heaven comes down from heaven, whose builder and architect is God. And uh, there was a song years ago by Keith Green. The, the lyrics of the song talk about if it took, I'm just paraphrasing in the song, but if it took God, you know, uh, six days to create what we see, uh, earth and, and the beauty of what we see here, uh, think how pretty heaven must be if it's taken him almost 2,000 years to prepare this place. And, and, and there's some truth to that uh, because of what we're going to talk about tonight as well. And uh, um, it'll be beyond our wildest dreams and imagination, I think, with that. Um, what do you imagine it will look like to, or it'll be like to look into the face of, of the Lord? What will it be like to see his face? You're going, what's that? Don't think you can describe it. Because, because right now we are told that no one has seen him and lived, seen God and lived, and yet we are told that we're going to read tonight that we're going to see him, he's going to see his face. I, I kind of get it now, reading Revelation 21, 22, why we will need new bodies why we will need spiritual bodies. Um, and so, anyway, let's, let's go ahead. I'm, I, I can spend some more time there. 
And uh, the recording has started. Thank you. And I'm going to read, I'm going to attempt to read both chapters here because they really tie in together. Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So when everything's new, there's no bodies of water that we've known, that we've known. and so that will be totally different. No sea or oceans or, or that kind of thing. So no sea, no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. That right there is a powerful verse uh, in the sense of God being with us, not being on his throne in heaven separate from us like he is right now, but basically living with, being with continually. That's going to be awesome. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts like sorcery, that kind of thing, the idolaters and all liars... Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel. And I'm going to get the stones and some of the jewels messed up as I try to pronounce them, just letting you know in advance. Uh, it shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like the very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and with the 12, and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide, he measured this city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and as high as it is long. He measured its wall and it was 144 cubits thick by man's measurement, which the angel was using. Uh, some other translations talk about not the width, but its, its height there. 
We'll talk about that when we get there. The wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third uh, chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the uh, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, uh, chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth uh, chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who, anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Familiar to chapter 20. Then we read on in chapter 20. The angel, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, here it is, and His name will be on their foreheads. They, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. The Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. And the angel said to me, verse 6, these words are trustworthy and true. Once again, the same thing is being said. The the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. And, and uh, then Jesus, words are in red, said, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So it's not enough just to hear them. We have to keep them. We have to obey them. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and seen them, I fell to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. He was I mean, this angel was so brilliant in all of its splendor and glory, John got caught up again like he did previous, and the angel says, hey, don't worship me, I'm a fellow servant, worship God. Same thing's happening in this chapter, last chapter in the Bible. And he said, don't do it, I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book, worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy, uh, of, of this book, because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. 
Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes, away, takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Wow. Now, that is, and those are full chapters, a lot of information there. And so let's kind of dig into it and talk about this a little bit. Now, we, as I mentioned, we tend to think of living for eternity. We live for eternity as far from earth. You know, recall that Jesus did descend from earth up into heaven, and he is preparing a place for us. And he even said in John 14, 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, that's all good and fine, but think about it this way. At the rapture, believers will be caught up to heaven. We will plan to be there for uh, uh, seven years and then we'll return to earth. Jesus and believers will rule on the earth for how long? A thousand years, the millennium. Uh, millennium, a million mean, meaning 1,000. Uh, then there's going to be the final judgment at the great white throne for unbelievers. After that, God's going to create a new heaven, our new heavens and a new earth. Uh, the old will pass away. Then the new Jerusalem will come down from heaven to the new earth. So let's talk about in the first part of this three truths about the new Jerusalem. First of all, it is a new city in a new setting. A new city in a new setting. Genesis, first book in your Bibles, tells us about the beginning of God's creation. Revelation tells us the end or completion of God's creation. Friends, God is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning as well as the end. The one who began things will bring it to completion. All right? There's a chart on the back of your outline that has Genesis, the beginning, then Revelation, the end of, of uh, or completion. And if you look at that, you can see in the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and earth. In that chart, God will create new heavens and a new earth. 
uh, just the comparison, the contrast and such. Uh, God created the sun, no suns needed in the new. He created the night, no night in the new Jerusalem. He created the seas, there's no seas there. A river flowed through Eden, a river flows through the new Jerusalem. Uh, sin entered the human race, sin will be gone forever. Uh, the curse began, Genesis, no curse in the new Jerusalem. Death began as a result of sin, and in the book of Genesis, no death in the new Jerusalem. Humans were driven from the tree of life. The tree of life will be there for all. You can see, once again, the differences. Genesis, we have sorrow and the pain began. There'll be no more pain or tears uh, mourning in, in the new Jerusalem. Humans were separated from God physically and spiritually. There is no separation. God will be with his people forever. He will be our God. We will be his people. We shall see his face. All right, we're going to be with him. And then... Genesis, paradise was lost, and Revelation, paradise will be restored. So you can see the, the, the differences there uh, with the creation and conditions in Genesis and Revelation basically is what God began with Adam, and it wasn't digestion or nothing, that would, we're good. What, what God began with Adam, he will one day complete through the final Adam. All right, his plan is to create a new Eden on a new earth. Revelation 21, 1 and 2, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, uh, vanished. What, how, how is God going to do that? God can do it any way God wants to do it. If God can speak it into existence, he can speak it out of existence. Right? The, the power of God speaking his word. All right? And uh, coming down out of heaven, God from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Now, John compares the new Jerusalem to a bride because the new Jerusalem is drop-dead beautiful. It's beautiful, a bride who has prepared herself. And, and so it's very beautiful. It appears that the new Jerusalem will rest upon the new earth. It has foundations also we're going to be going in and out of its gates. That's why I, I talked about and, and mentioned to you, or I asked you, you know, what will heaven be like? You know, um, I mean, yeah, we're going to worship God. That's going to be wonderful. But this is all brand new. And will we, I don't know, but will we be given a chance to explore the new, what God's created? I'm sure there might be some of that. Um, I'm just real cool hanging out with God. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just uh, um, our minds can't comprehend. The new heavens and new earth will be completely new. Uh, John does not tell us much about them, but he, you know, he focuses on New Jerusalem. The word new here means brand new. Um, no idea what that is. Uh, it means marvelous or unheard of. And uh, all we know is that it's, it's going to be new, and uh, it seems there will be no sun, moon, or stars in the new heaven. Um, our glorified bodies will not need sleep. Now, we can, I can't imagine that because I'm tired. I like to sleep. Um, how many of you like to sleep when you're tired? How many get frustrated when you're tired when you can't sleep? 
But uh, so evidently, um, our bodies will not need sleep. Uh, God is light. He'll be the light of the new Jerusalem. Um, Jesus Christ will, will be both the spiritual and physical light of the world. We have some cross references for you. Isaiah sixty-five seventeen. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. So everything that we see, everything as beautiful as it is, Hawaii, um, Colorado, the places that you've been to, uh, that island off of India, you know, every place you've been to that you would say, this is the most beautiful place I've been to, has nothing to compare to what's going to be, but it's not going to be remembered anymore. And so this is all going to be gone. I mean, all, all the... All the minerals and, and gold and silver deposits and all the whatever. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, anyway. Um, Isaiah sixty six twenty two And the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so, your, so will your name and descendants endure. We have Second Peter three thirteen. But in keeping with his promise... We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. And then uh, verse 5 of Revelation 21, he was seated on the throne and says, I am making everything new. And so it's a new city in a new setting. God's going to, you know, the new Jerusalem, as I said, already exists in heaven. God's already has done that. It's just going to be coming down from heaven. How does that all happen? I don't know, but knowing God's doing it, it's going to be spectacular. All right, um, so the newness of it all. Number two, not only is it a new city and a new setting, it is a big city. Now, we're going to talk about this. This is, this is wild here. Um, it's a big city. There are some big cities on earth today. Earth has over 400 cities that contain a million or more people, 400. Some of these cities are several miles wide, but imagine a city that is about 1,500 miles on each side. More like a cube, square, 1,500 miles. Boom, boom, boom. And it's, it's ginormous, if that's a word. It is in the movie Elf. Uh, the New Jerusalem is about a third as wide as the widest part of Africa. Uh, it covers over half the United States. In comparison, it is over half as wide as China. Uh, Babylon was one of the great cities of the Old Testament. It was 17 miles around the outer wall of Babylon. But the distance around the New Jerusalem is between five and 6,000 miles. Hey, kids, you want to go for a road trip this afternoon? You know what I'm saying? Just to get around this new city. Uh, the diameter of the earth is 8,000 miles the diameter of the moon is 2,160 miles. If the New Jerusalem is a cube, it's about two-thirds the size of the moon. If it's a cube, it's 2,600 miles from one corner to the opposite corner. I'm just simply saying it is a big city. Verse 16, the city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. I think the NIV in the notation says around 1,400 miles. Other translations say, say around 1,500 miles. 
as wide and high as it is long. Uh, the city is tall, as tall as it is wide. Now, some think it might be like a pyramid with God at the top. Others picture the city as a cube. They think it has many levels. Here, this is cool. If each level was a mile high, if each level was a mile high, that'd be 1,500 levels, 1,500 levels. Either way, it's a big city set on a hill. Now, can you imagine living in this big city and it's, there's a mile between all these levels, 1,500 levels. Think of the elevator that would need, be needed to go to the top floor if an elevator was needed. I get that. Uh, you step on the elevator and the person next to you says, uh, what floor? I'm on 1497. What floor are you on? You know, I don't know how it's going to be. I don't know whatever. Uh, you know, the, will, will the 1500th floor have the view? I don't know. Alvin, what's your... I think, yeah, what he said is, I think you'll just, a person will think of where they want to be and they will be there. No elevator needed. Remember, glorified bodies, which we're not told a bunch about, but um, we're going to have a body like his that never dies, that never experiences death and everything else. That doesn't need sleep, you know. If you th- what's that? It goes through doors. It goes through doors, yes. It goes through walls or whatever, so... Um, but, but it's going to be huge. Um, I'm just going to read if I can fare this. Um, that's 2118. That's the stones. We'll get to that in a bit. Hang on a second. The tabernacle, the dwelling of God from this point forward will be with men. In a sense, heaven and earth will merge. This is from 21.3. That is, the new Jerusalem at the new earth will become God's headquarters. No longer will believers be on earth with God's throne and special manifestations of His presence in heaven. He will be with His people forever and ever. I love that, that notation there uh, on that one. Um, okay, I'm gonna, I got some more notes here and more from that. So, uh, it's going to be a, a very, very, very big city. All right. Uh, thirdly, it will be a beautiful city. A very beautiful city. There are 12 foundations of the New Jerusalem. Each level is made of a different type of beautiful stone. The 12 stones differ in color. Thus, the foundation will be more beautiful than a rainbow. Once again, I like landscaping. I like doing things and creating things that are appealing to the eye, at least my eye. But God has a way of doing things that... uh, uh, in his creation alone, we, we've all been to places like, wow, that is so beautiful. And we're, we're taken back by it. And yet, we haven't seen, we ain't seen nothing yet. All right. We haven't seen anything yet that's going to compare to the beauty that awaits us. And so it's a very beautiful city. Um, the colors of stones on earth vary some. There's a chart as well on back of your outline. I talk about the different stones quickly. Uh, as I said, the wall around the city is about 215 feet tall, 140 cubits times 18 inches thick equals 216 feet or 65 meters. There are three gates in each of the uh, each side of the wall. Uh, the setting reminds us of the tabernacle and the Israelites, Numbers chapter 2. Uh, three tribes of Israel camped on each side of the tent. Likewise, there are three gates. 
in each of the four walls. The names of the 12 tribes are on the gates of the new Jerusalem. I read this today and I'm going, why are there gates? There's no crime, there's no whatever, they're never locked, you can come in and go as you want. So why are there gates? I don't know. I'm not God, I'm good with gates, but why are there gates even needed? Um, there's no crime, you know? <laughs> so there's that part of it. Um, each gate is made from one huge pearl. God in his wisdom, this is from David Ravenhill when he was here years ago, but talked about God in his infinite wisdom chooses uh, pearls as gates because heaven is for overcomers. And if you think about what a pearl is, a pearl is something that is simply overcome some grit, if you will, or a sand got wedged in there. And, and, uh, but think of the, the size of these oysters. I mean, huge, humongous gates of pearls. Uh, a, a large pearl might be as wide as a person's thumbnail. One earthly pearl could be worth everything a person owned. But imagine the value of a pearl that is of this size. Uh, the city really is too beautiful to fully describe to, by John. And still God is revealing it to us by His Spirit. Um, this is what it says in verse 11. Again, the city shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel like jasper, clear as crystal. Verse 18, the wall was made of, pure, of jasper and the city of pure gold just as pure as glass. And then 20, verse 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was a pure gold like transparent glass. And so the city is made of, made of gold uh, on earth. Yeah, I, I wrote this on Facebook today. We use concrete you know, to, to pave our roads. We use bricks. We use asphalt. And yet we're going to be walking on the very stuff that is valuable to people here. We're just going to be walking on us. Like, so what, what man values so much right now on planet earth, it's building supplies to God. You know what I'm saying? We're walking on it. I mean, it really shows me the things that we deem valuable and the things that God deems valuable. And, and it's like God's, God's streets are paved with gold. I've always joked about riding the Harley on the, on the, on the streets of gold. Um, I won't be Kawasaki's up there. <laughs> Better not be. Let's talk about the foundational stones for a little bit here. Um, John testified the wall was, was built of jasper, or as it would be called today. And this is from the Complete Biblical Library Commentary. Uh, it would be called today blue-white diamonds. John used the beauty and the brilliance of these diamonds to describe the glory of the city as a whole. But verse 18 of chapter 21 indicates the wall will be totally built of these diamonds. And, and think about this, these blue-white diamonds, how they will then in turn reflect the glory of God. The gold is going, you know, as, as, as clear, is going to reflect the glory of God. I mean, there will be no place in the New Jerusalem that won't reflect the glory of God. Uh, once again, why it's important that we have new bodies. John saw that the city within the walls was pure gold like under clear glass. Uh, the Greek can also mean clear crystal. 
This seems to be a description of something in the new heavens and earth that is even better than gold, but John's trying to use language for us to understand or what he understood in his day as well. Um, it's going to reflect the glory of God in a marvelous way. We go on to verse 19, the 12 foundations of the wall inscribed with the 12 apostles, also garnished, adorned, and decorated with all kinds of precious stones, which indicates that the foundations of the city will come to rest on the surface of the ground when the new Jerusalem comes down to the new earth. So the foundations are glorious and beautiful and are visible for all to see. Now, going through, and you can see the, the 12 stones on the list there. I'm just going to walk you through this a little bit. Jasper it probably is, again, the blue-white diamond, uh, believed by some to be like the, the opal. It was meant in this verse, but a blue, more of a blue-white kind of a diamond. I know your chart says clear or red, but it's more blue-white. Uh, sapphire is not the modern sapphire, but the ancient lapis lazuli, a deep blue stone sprinkled with brilliant bits of iron uh, pyrite, fool's gold. It was, a prized, it was prized in ancient Assyria and Egypt. Uh, the uh, chalcedonia was a general term for a group of precious stones, including carnelian, sardius, uh, chrysophase, agate, agate and, and onks. Others identify with a green copper silicate that was found near the uh, Chalcedon on the Bosporus, not far from the modern city of Istanbul. The emerald, emeralds are green, a green transparent precious stone. Sardonyx is a variety of agate, or it maybe had been a layer stone of red sard and white ox. Uh, the ancients prized it for making cameos. Uh, sardius is a carnelian or sard, a reddish to blood red precious stone often used for engraving. We come to chrysolite. Uh, it's the yellow topaz. Uh, beryl is a sea green precious stone. Topaz is the golden topaz, sometimes greenish gold. Uh, the chrysoprasus is a translucent apple green, fine grained hornstone, a variety of quartz. Others identify it as an apple green, chromium-colored variety of chalcedony. Uh, jacinth, also called hyacinth, was possibly a variety of zircon. Some were bluish, some bluish purple. Now, I can identify that because of the, the flowers, the hyacinth flowers. I know about those. And the, the uh, amethyst was a clear purple or a violet, blue-violet glass quartz kind of thing. And so kind of you get, you get an idea of... of God's not dull when it comes to his creativity. I mean, the variety of colors, you know, and uh, it's going to be beyond our wildest dreams of seeing, seeing that. Um, talked about the 12 gates, the pearls, uh, the street John saw was as wide and made of pure gold like transparent glass. Uh, the singular here may be used collectively for all the streets in the city. And once again, we can't imagine that. Um, I know that it's been frustrating the last several weekends, 60s closed because they're stripping off the asphalt and getting back down to the, the concrete on, on 60. And uh, um, they tried, when we first got here like 20 years ago, putting the asphalt down to quiet down our freeways. Well, it didn't work, and they had problems with it. And I guess the solution now is to strip it up all, strip it up, and go back to the original, which is probably the best, which is concrete more so than the asphalt. But uh, um, the streets in heaven won't need to be repaved. 
There will be no weekend closed for repair kind of signs up there and then figuring out what is and what's not open, et cetera. Uh, any questions so far? Is there an age limit? Okay. We're going to, I'll deal with that. Um, in, you're talking about the millennium? In the thousand year rule reign of Christ on? In, okay, the New Jerusalem. Is there an age limit? We're not told. We're not told. Yeah, we're not told that. Um, but basically, the limitation would be you better make sure your name is in the book of life. That's the bottom line. As I said last week, and I've said previous weeks, and if you get nothing else out of this, um, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, anything else considered, if you're left behind, make sure you do not take the mark of the beast, period. You're better off to, um, to, to be beheaded, killed, or whatever than taking the mark of the beast. Take the mark, you're gone. You're done for. And so... Um, you're better off to um, confess Jesus Christ as Lord and lose your head over that than you are of uh, taking the mark and losing your soul. No matter what. So, uh, but age-wise, age no. Uh, but the question is, you know, will, how old will people live to be in the millennium? We don't know that. Uh, it's, it's kind of leaned toward that the followers of Christ uh, will live that whole, that whole time because we have, we have received our, our new bodies, okay? Um, I don't understand all that yet. I just know that for me and you to experience the full glory of God like we're going to, um, this, this old body, this, this dust and dirt can't comprehend, can't take it all in, um, I could, I could say to every one of you tonight, there's a 110 plug-in over there, there's one over there. Who'd, who would like to volunteer to see how long they could hold on the two pieces of wire stuck in each one of those little holes? And I can guarantee you every one of us would respond. I mean, some of you might yell, scream, jump, turn, do somersaults, light up, or whatever, um, but you would all respond. And that's only in 110. We're talking unlimited, all-powerful God Almighty who is going to pull back the curtain, if you will, for us to see him as he is, to see his face, to, to experience his presence and his glory. We need new bodies because this flesh and blood won't be able to contain it. Your flesh and blood. If you respond to 110 like you do, what's unlimited power? So there will be response, but that's why I believe we need, honestly, we need new bodies because flesh and blood won't be able to comprehend it all. All right? So, um, but in, in, in the millennium, and I have a whole article I want to get into on that uh, that I did research on. Um, in the millennium, um, not everyone is going to live a long life, and people will be born during that time too. Okay, now... Uh, sickness, 
I don't, I don't see that there, <laughs> um, especially in the new, new, new Jerusalem. I know that for sure because of, of no more pain, death, crying, that kind of thing, mourning. Um, but uh, I don't, we're so bound in time, we have a hard time seeing anything from what we're used to. And then you have to keep reminding, I have to keep reminding myself, even through reading this, is God's not bound or driven by time. I mean, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day to God. And so really, we've been, since the, the resurrection of Christ, it's been a couple thousand years. That's like to God's, to God's mindset, if you will, that's like a couple days. Okay, it's, 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 so God sees everything so different from how we see things. And uh, um, I don't want to really get into the six characteristics right now because of my time. And I got about four minutes left. Any other questions? You're, you're, you're welcome to write them down too. Because I know if I got into it, I'm going to keep you till 7.30, quarter 8, and we're not doing that. So, All right. I'm going to pause it right there. We'll pick this up, bring this sheet back to next, next week. Um, and then we'll look at then the uh, six characteristics of living in the New Jerusalem. And we'll, you know, some of the things we talked about, we'll, we'll talk about some more. I don't understand, you know, no more night, um, no more sleep needed. I don't totally understand that, um, but it's, it's there. I don't understand the, the, new, the new earth, new heavens and new earth, and the new earth not having... Any sea. Um, that because the ocean. I mean, everybody that wants seafront, you know, oceanfront property, aren't going to have it. <laughs> you know, it's there's no sea. You know what I'm saying? There's no sea, and so there's that part of it. Uh, their thing is why. And I'm just questions. Trees for healing. The leaves were for healing. We don't need to be healed. But but what it's saying there is. Uh, these trees are there for your health. They're, they're good for you. It's like eat your vegetables, eat your fruit. There's a crop every month. What kind? I don't know. But it's going to be good. If God made it, it's going to be good. But basically the leaves for healing, the leaves for health, just saying, hey, God, thank you for protecting. Thank you, whatever. And so there's a lot of unknowns in all this. Um, Go back and reread the 21st, 22nd chapter. And then also pay attention when you're reading chapter 22, how often Jesus pipes in and says, hey, guys, I'm coming soon. Literally, I could come at any time. My return is imminent. This was 2,000 years ago. If his return was imminent 2,000 years ago, we're 2,000 years closer. That's what I'm saying. And so um, I might on the last week, uh, depends on your questions, get into some of like the world, what's the big event, what's the big next event that's going to happen in, in prophecy? We believe it's the rapture. And then from there, what transpires from all that? So um, I'm done. Time out. We're pausing right there. Read 21-22 again for next week. Take this back with you. If you have questions, please take the pink sheet home with you. Write them out. Get those to me Sunday. 
Um, I will research it out. Like the question I got last week, um, it's like, yeah, I got that question too. It's a great question, you know. And so we'll, we'll see how it all plays out for us. But uh, we'll kind of wrap this up next week, finish that up a little bit. Then we have one more week to cover anything else, any questions you have. Or if I need to, I can go back in a little different direction of what's the in the world of events, what's going on. So.